Vodka. 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 Vodka o'clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love, and this is an introduction to part two of my podcast with Josh Neff, where we got into, um, we talked, we spent an hour talking about writing last time in part one. So part two, uh, we got into other things about entertainment, like holiday specials that we like to watch, and um, also into some social justice issues and the civil rights issues that we're going through today because Josh got to be part of the, that. And um, we even talk about porn. So that's why I think that it was good to separate this section out from the writing section of the podcast. So if you have any questions, of course, you know, feel free to find me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. Meanwhile, stay tuned. We have some other cool things that I wanted to talk about because um, I was just so happy that we could talk about Nino Rima you know, together. It wasn't just me babbling. Um, but uh, also, since we are approaching the holiday season, we're in the holiday seasons after Thanksgiving. So I had also made up my list of um, uh, Amber's Bahong Bug holiday films and TV episodes to watch because I don't really like the holidays. Yeah. So I, um, I made basically like a top 10 of things that I would turn on. And some things I go out of my way to turn on and other things I'm just kind of like tolerant of that they're on. <laughs> like I'm like, I will not ever put on a Christmas story. I just won't. I've seen it a thousand times. I don't care about it. I, you know, I, same thing with a Christmas Carol. Like I just right. don't care. I love, I um, love a Christmas story, but I've never, I, I can't remember the last time I actually intentionally put it on because is it TBS or TNT that runs it not stop? Yeah, they. Yeah, and I've seen it so many right. times anyway that it doesn't matter. Like usually, I don't like coming into the middle of a movie, um, but with that one, I can come in at any point and leave at any point and come back at any point, and it's all good. Yeah. So I. So so my my quickies. I don't know if you had any, but my number one is Die Hard. Okay, that's an excellent um, choice. Um, because it's it's not so holiday centric. Yeah. But ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, while you were sleeping is my like mushy romantic nice choice. Um, Bill Pullman is awesome and Sandra Bullock. And then, uh, speaking of uh, a Christmas Carol, I, I will like Scrooge. I will put Scrooge on. I won't go out of my way to look for right. it in the listings, but if Scrooge is on, it's my favorite version of the Dickens tale. Yeah, and it's on Netflix right now, so, so that's which is it. like I can I can hear all the readers out there cringing, like you know, nails on a blackboard. Right. Well, like, I always my my all time favorite Christmas movie is The Thin Man, um, because it is set around Christmas, but it's around, not yeah. holiday themed. Um, mm -hmm. But waking up hungover on Christmas morning while you're in the middle of trying to solve a mystery um, and, you know, that in the 1930s, yeah, you got me. Um, and also I, I like to watch um, either on Christmas Eve uh, or, as I call it, Joshmas, because that's my birthday, uh, oh. or on Christmas Day, uh, watch Casablanca because okay. um, uh, I believe the director um, – his birthday was Christmas Eve and Humphrey Bogart's birthday was Christmas Day. And so even though the movie has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas and isn't set around Christmas, um, two of the main people involved were Christmas babies. And so in my head, it's a Christmas movie. Um, and it's also, I think, one of the greatest movies of all time, um, despite the fact that it's incredibly melodramatic and has plot holes you could drive a, a truck convoy through. Um, it's just so great. And The Thin Man is just one of the most, you know, fun movies you can watch um, and has some incredibly smart, cracking dialogue. Um, so, yeah, those are those are like my two favorite holiday ish movies um, for mushy stuff. Uh, Love Actually, um, which I know some people hate and other people love it so much they will watch it over and over and over again. Um, I really like it. Um, it just, I haven't tried. It's sitting here, and I know it's also on Netflix. Yeah. But my mother was watching it again today, and she's one of her favorites. Um, but I still am just like, oh, I don't know if I want to. I don't know. It looks too mushy. 
It is it is very mushy, but it's also, um, you know, I hate to say quirky British, but it kind of, I mean, it is. Um, and I apologize to the entire nation of Great Britain for, for labeling you as quirky. Um, but it is very quirky British, and it has some of my favorite actors in it. Um, and even actors that aren't necessarily my favorites, um, like Kira Knightley, who is not one of my favorite actors, but she has one of the most amazing, brightening smiles I have ever seen. And so any movie like in Love Actually where you get to see her smile quite a bit, I'll watch it because she just her whole face lights up when she smiles. And it's just it's it's a really wonderful thing to watch. Um and it, it's got Emma Thompson, who is fantastic, and and um, yeah, it's I, I just I think well, and Bill Nye is the washed-up rock star is just pretty much steals the movie. Um, yeah, it is an epic cast. Yeah. that's for sure. Um, also on my list is, is as opposed to an epic good some, cast. some yeah. holiday movies that have an epic cast that's not so great. Yeah, I mean, my mother would would also normally watch um, Holiday Inn, and and again, it's not only about Christmas. It's called Holiday Inn because it's about a, a, a bed and breakfast place that right. that would have um, celebrations all throughout the year for the special holidays. And I can remember the un the the unedited version had like a really racist blackface scene <laughs> in it. Um, this is Bing Crosby, and I can't remember who else was right, in it. Right? Yeah. Um, but uh, so so the versions that that will play now will have that part edited out. Um, but yeah. I, uh, it was yeah. So you know things that were made back then. Right. It's different, different time. I just tried watching um, a Charlie Chan movie, oh, and right. I was just like cringing. I'm like, oh my god, this is so racist. Yeah. It was it was well, even Casablanca, yeah. which I love, but um, um, uh, Dooley Wilson, I think his name, um, who plays Sam, the the piano player, um, that you know Ingrid Bergman says, um, who's that boy on the piano? Well, the guy is older than either Humphrey Bogart or Ingrid Bergman in the movie, but because he's African American, because he's a Negro, he's called boy, even mm-hmm. though as fairly revolutionary for the time. He and Rick are pretty much, even though he works for Rick and calls him Mr. Rick, they're very clearly equals. And that's right. actually pretty revolutionary um, in the same way that, that there's um, – oh, gosh. I think it's A Day at the Races, um, the, the Marx Brothers movie, that has a weird um, Negro spiritual sequence in it, um, but it's not – there's no blackface. It's all African American actors performing with the Marx Brothers. Um, and I know that you know the Marx Brothers were not super racist for their time period. Um, so, so that's another like. There's some we- you can find some kind of like weirdly progressive, you know, for the time period stuff amidst all the really really bad racism and. And, and now we can't even and, we can't even do that today though. I mean, like, was it Ridley Scott that made Exodus? <laughs> like, oh God! Uh, like some people can't even do that right now. I know. I know. It, it's, it's like do we have international casting. I mean, how hard can it be? I just a, a, a trans friend of mine just posted on Facebook today about um, last night's Saturday Night Live where they did a, a take off of the Star Wars teaser. Um, with some of the Saturday Night Live actors playing the original Han, Luke, and Leia as really old people. Um, and the whole joke was, ha-ha, old people, like, drive really slowly and don't, like, pay attention to things and are really have problems with computers. And, you know, okay, so it's it, it's kind of funny to, to, I mean, as someone who works with the public who finds that there are a lot of older people who do have problems with technology, I can kind of laugh about that. But they had male actor Bobby Moynihan playing old Princess Leia when they have plenty of female cast members mm-hmm. who could who could have done it. And I don't know why Saturday Night Live persists in in having male actors in drag playing female roles when they have so many brilliant female comedians on the show now. 
Um, yeah, I think I think Dan Aykroyd being Julia Child was a different time, and right. he he sort of had this embodiment of her personality and stuff that was hilarious. I don't actually like Saturday Night Live, and yet I like the people who come from there. Like I love uh, right, yeah. Amy Poehler, and I love Tina Fey. Um, it's just I don't I don't find a lot of the stuff that I just basically don't ever find them funny. But I find when they have their own shows, I think they're hilarious and I think they're great writers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. Like if like something has to be a punchline, like oh we need an old woman, so it has to be you know Dana Carvey. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my friend even mentioned on. like Church Lady as an example, um, or even Pat, which. Oh yeah. For for the for the trans for trans people is just so incredibly offensive. <laughs> yeah, it's terribly insulting. I mean, I mean, good lord. Uh, and again, it was it was a different time when you know, ha ha, it's funny that you can't tell her ge- his or her gender. Isn't right. that hilarious? Um, and it, so we hope that we've come a long way, and yet there are still mistakes being made. Yes. Um, as I was watching a Donald Glover stand up thing yesterday and he talks about how this is the best time to be alive compared to times in the past. And, and I agree that, that as, as fucked up as things are right now, it's a lot better than it used to be. And I, I really am an optimist that things will keep getting better. Um, even, even as we'll still have some really, really horrible things going down. So I try not to let it depress me doesn't always work <laughs> but i try yeah well we'll 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 end on a depressing note but i just i want to i want to uh wrap up holiday stuff which to me is depressing um but i i know that you've been involved in some other things that i wanted to ask you about before i let you go i know we're running longish if you don't have to run anywhere i, I do not okay um so, uh I, i'm also i also went like a year without cable because i was really poor mm-hmm. and um i i had to i had to pay enough to have an internet connection so i had hulu and i had dvds and that was all i had and so i would burn through the box sets that i have of like house monk psych castle things like that and um some of my favorite holiday things were episodes of television so um early on in psych in season two they have Gus's dad may have killed an old guy and Gus's dad is played by Ernie Hudson and his mother is Felicia Rashad. <sighs> and I love that episode and yeah. I just watched it two nights ago. And then on, on Monk, there were a couple really good Christmas episodes. Um, I didn't, I didn't jot down the season and episode numbers for those though, but one of them is um, somebody, one of the police officers dies right there in the police station during the party, during the Christmas party, and they think that it, it was supposed to be targeted for Captain Stottlemyre. And um, it's just, it, it's sort of like a quiet mystery, the way it unfolds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you get, you get to see Monk doing all of his weird, quirky, Monk right. OCD things. So, um, it, because it's, it was like such a different episode of television where, like I said, I've been marathoning numbers yeah. and, and white collar, which are really, really fast and rapid and loud. Like there's like, I know in numbers, there's going to be the, the opening sequence is going to be like blasting loud. There's going to be a, a sequence like three quarters of the way through. It's going to be blasting gunfire loud and explosions. And yeah. then I know the end is going to have some noise too when they finally arrest people. Right. And, you know, so this episode of monk at Christmas time was, um, it was a really quiet thing uh-huh. and, and I just felt so different. And, um, but then there was another funny one where uh, he uh, got Santa arrested and got, um, or killed. He got Santa killed and stuff. And so there's like, there's a few episodes of monk that have Christmas theme, mm-hmm. but I know you as my other leverage connoisseur, the, the um, job, the yeah i was just thinking like as you're talking about that i'm like i need to go rewatch the ho 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 job because it's the the uh will we in it has a part in it and he plays chaos the hacker up against hardison and it's just you know my favorite thing in the world is seeing parker um because there's i think they have two different different ones if i'm not mistaken but where she um 
she decorates the Christmas tree and all of the jewelry she's stolen. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I love when some of my favorite Parker bits are when she has this innocence. Right. Um, that that in some ways she's like she's really she can be real. I mean, obviously she's kind of crazy, but she can also be like a big little kid. And and when she's doing that, it's. I mean, Beth Reesgraft is just so great at, at at that and and bringing that sort of I don't know. There's just yeah. There's there's something about that episode, and there's some other ones where where she gets like her like Park, Parker gets weirded out about um like uh talking with the dead and stuff and the idea of like what happens after we die and she she just becomes this little kid. Uh, oh right, when they fake uh, Sophie's death. Yes. And yeah. and and yeah and and anything where you get to see Will Wheaton play a dick because he loves yeah. doing it and he's really good at it. He's very good at it. I mean, you know, he on the Big Bang Theory, uh, he was playing him, himself, right. but he was, you know, it, it had this aggressive alpha dog type type of persona, and then um, on the Guild. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it, his character chaos is very much like his character on the Guild. Yeah, um, and, and it's funny because I've, I've met him twice now. He's for two years in a row. He came to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, um, and I got to meet him. And he's such a, a warm, welcoming, nice guy who not only is incredibly friendly and incredibly nice, and um, but watching him geek out about things is one of the greatest things ever. Um, he would get really excited about people of uh, this actually brings up something else has been in the, the internet nerd news lately, but he gets so excited about really great cosplay and just, right. he's like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I have to get pictures of this. And it's just, it's great to see him nerdy now. And, and you know, he is one of us. He just happens to like have a higher fame level than most of us do, but he's really one of us. But the the first time I met him, he was actually complaining about not complaining, but but you know on the Big Bang Theory, his character has actually become friends with the cast now, and he's not evil Will Wheaton. He's more like washed up neurotic actor Will Wheaton. Um, well, he's kind of yeah, he's sort of like their Obi Wan almost. Yes, and and um, and he said that he. He's kind of sad about it because he really likes playing a jerk ass. Mm-hmm. I think because he's not one in real life, and so it it. Well, villains are great. Yeah, you know we we love our villains, and that actually you know, and it's funny because my one of my my last uh, holiday bits was to talk about the Christmas with the Joker episode. Oh yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on Bat- Batman the Animated yeah. Series. So yeah, we love our villains. Yep. Yes, we do. We do. And see, you got to meet Will Wheaton, and I mad crush on him, and I've never met him. Okay, I've, okay yeah, that I've, is one up, and I... and I, um, and, You know, I've had my boob touched spring, by Lexi Bell, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I am jealous of... Yeah, you've gotten to meet Nina Hartley and, and Lexi Bell. I've gotten to meet Will and Ann Wheaton, um, so, uh, and Jewel State. Um, okay. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, there are, there are some there are some really um, great people that that do come to play in a Comic Con that I get really really excited about, um, and it looks like some well, oh my god, I completely freaked out because this this coming spring, um, for playing a Comic Con in Kansas City, uh, John Barrowman's coming, um, and oh my god, like everybody's just going to be like so many people are freaking out, I'm freaking out. Um, so it's it's going to be crazy. And, well, and, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that in fact, actually, another great thing. Um, last last Planet Comic Con um, this past spring, uh, like except for Patrick Stewart, the entire cast of Next Generation came to Planet Comic Con, and um, some poly friends of mine. I was with them when they went up to get. Uh, LeVar Burton's autograph and we got to completely blow LeVar Burton's mind when they explained that when when he was signing uh reading Rainbow 
glossy for their family. And he said, well, wait, so who's this family? And the two girls said, well, we are and that guy right there. And he was yeah. like, wait, all three of you? And they're like, uh-huh. And he looks at my, my friend Jesse, the guy, and says, I have new respect for you, man. <laughs> and, and it was, and then he was like, wait a minute, all of you? And it was me with my three poly friends who were in a triad, huge, like, Brady Bunch triad um, with their kids, and and my ex-girlfriend slash friend. And so, and she said, oh, no, it's these three he and I are just friends. Well, we used to be boyfriend and girlfriend, but we're not anymore. It's a long story. And LeVar Burton is just looking at us all like, I was not expecting this in Kansas. Like, <laughs> not, how did this happen? Uh, yeah, un- unless it's associated with a religious cult, which is usually what people think. Right. And in fact, actually, the, the assistant that was with him said, are you Mormon? And one of the triads said, well, I'm recovering. And, he, and the assistant said, oh, me too, fist bump. <laughs> it was just amazing. Like it, the whole moment was just insane. Um, but yeah, it was like LeVar Burton was like, his eyes were popping out. His jaw was on the floor. He was just, you know, and, and I figure in Hollywood, you've got to run into stuff like this, but you're probably not expecting it in Kansas city. And, yeah. and uh, so it was, it was one of the high points of the con was, was getting to um, completely just, shocked the hell out of LeVar Burton <laughs> with. See, I'm jealous of that because he I, he's somebody that I would totally love to meet. Uh, and, and yeah, and I did get to, in fact... Uh, but I'm not going to stand in line for an hour. I have, I have, I have that, things about that's that. A, yeah, but. that's a hard... There were, there were a few, like, there were, there were uh, you know, actors and stuff that I wouldn't... I, even though I really liked them, I wouldn't wait in line to meet them. Um, I did with... Um, with LeVar Burton, but really only because I was just tagging along with my friends. But then I did get him to autograph a Reading Rainbow uh, glossy photo for my library. And, oh, cool. And he was like, you're a librarian? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, bless you. And I'm like, no, 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 bless you. And it was mm-hmm. – that was just – you know, I was like <gasps> – um, and and uh, Eddie McClintock from, from Warehouse 13, um, mostly because he – gave a great panel discussion um and he's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet um and his child like me he's he's adhd um and he's a big hugger and so i went up and got two hugs from him um (laughs) which was pretty much i waited in line i'm like i don't want an autograph i I can't afford to pay for you know 30 bucks for an autograph but I, i will take a hug and let's talk about being ADD for a minute. And he's like, oh, I got to give you another hug, man. Get in here. Um, nice. It, it was a great, you know, so, so yeah. The, but there's a lot of, I mean, like, Margot Kidder came last year. And she is my lowest lane. Um, but I, I was not going to wait in line to talk to her because I just, like, there, I just don't have the patience. Um, right. And I also try to make it around to Artists Row as much as possible because, I, it, it's it's Comic Con, and as much as I love the fact that these actors that I really love are being there, um, I you know like people always talk about how San Diego Comic Con has become completely overshadowed by movies and TV, and and I don't want Kansas City's much smaller Comic Con to be like that. Um, you know that there are local artists that come there, and there are artists that come from very far away. And I, I, I feel like it's important to let them know how much I appreciate what they do as much as letting the actors know how much I appreciate what they do. Well, yeah, the actors are going to make um, a set amount of money whether or not they sell on that number of autographs because right. they're, they're guaranteed a certain amount of money no matter right. what. Um, but I agree with you. But I'm glad that you brought up LeVar Burton, though, because it's a perfect segue into, into the last thing I wanted to talk to you okay. about. Um, I, I saw your Instagram that you were out at some of the, the protests um, for people listening and wondering, you know, where we are. It's December 2014, and the Eric Garner case uh, was fairly recent here, it happened in New York City, and um, and just before that was the um, Darren Wilson and, and Mike Brown fiasco, and 
now we've got like all of these other incidences of racial bias regarding uh, police arrests and grand juries and, and, and all this stuff's going on. So there's protests everywhere. And I saw that you had posted an Instagram picture that you were at one of the protests. And I remember a long time ago reading something about LeVar Burton was, was pulled over by a cop one time and how shabbily he was treated when, you know, the cop didn't realize who he was. Um, and he was just like, you know, some African-American man being pulled over and the cop was, was um, just harsh. And I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure if you Googled the story, I'm sure you yeah, can get a better, a better idea. Some news show, some, one of the 24-hour news channels, I remember that right. he was on with some other people and he talked about whenever he's pulled over, the first thing he does is put, puts his hands out the window so that they can see that he's unarmed. Right. And not threatening, which is right. such a horrible – I mean, that that's not something I've ever even had to think of. Um, See, I was taught that as well, though. Not on the on, – out the window, but I was I, – that's what we were taught also was that you keep your hands on the steering wheel so that when they approach, they see where your hands are. Right. Yeah, and that's just – I don't know. Maybe it's a way. Um, I don't remember necessarily being taught that, but I have always sort of kept my hands – on the wheel. I think it's mostly just because in my head I was like, well, I want the cops to know that I'm actually like my hands are at 10 and two. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. See, it was just how I, you know, I, right. I was taught about, you know, regarding things and I, and then later on I was married to a cop and whenever, you know, when they ask me for my documents, I tell them where the documents are so that they know where I'm going to be reaching. Like, you know, I, if it's in my bag in the back seat, which is, pretty rare but there have been times when i've i've had a lot to carry and i'll be like well my license is in the back and you know i'll be like well i gotta reach in the glove box for my you know for my insurance card you know it's just since i was 17 years old that's just the way that i was taught to do it mm-hmm. was, you know so i guess that was just a matter of i was trained by the right people <laughs> but um but i what was your experience like um going to a protest as this pale white man to it was it was interesting because i was a i was a you know pale white guy with his pale white daughter um in a college town in kansas so there was a whole lot of white people um but i was very happy to see it wasn't all and and we were even you know what like one of the main things that we chanted walking around was hands up don't shoot and i felt weird saying that because it's not something I've ever had to say. Um, and that's some of the things that I read was that were, were people of color saying, you know, white people, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. For me, it was very important. And I actually, we had a, uh, we, we ended our, our march. And, and there were um, people of color in the march um, as well. Although it being a college town in Kansas, they were vastly outnumbered by the, the well-meaning white folks who were who were marching, um, and we ended up outside of the Lawrence, Kansas Police Department, um, and and some people could come up and speak, and, and I went up and talked about how um, my parents were very active in the civil rights movement. They were in the South registering African Americans to vote. Um, they were on the Selma Montgomery March, and and. I think it's it's for me it was important to me to show solidarity um not to not to as a as a white male I try to be very conscious about the fact that and I try to remind other my fellow white males about this it's not always about us and it's not we don't always have to have the last word or the first word or the loudest word and sometimes the best we can do, best thing we can do is shut up, listen, and get the fuck out of the way. Um, but I do also think it's important. I, I really I have problems with the word ally, um, mm-hmm. but I do think it's important to show solidarity um, and to to at least show that um, that it's not just. That it that although it is heavily weighted that that people of color have to shoulder this, I, you know at least I, I'm more than willing to stand by their side and to have their back and to speak up, 
Um, as someone with privilege, I think the least I can do is use what privilege I have to to try and make things better. Um, and and what I said yesterday was, you know, I'm proud to carry on the tradition of my family of you know the civil rights movement. We we tend to think of it in this country as, and I think we we talk about it and we tend to be taught about it as if it was something that happened in the 60s and it's over now. And it's not. It's still going on. And I'm proud to continue my family's tradition of being of, of doing something towards that, but I'm also angry that I have to because it, it should be something in the past. Um, and it it so so yeah, it was it was weird because I did I did sort of feel like like, oh my god, here are all these, you know, privileged white kids who are marching around a, a very liberal college town. Um, and, and yeah, it was it was it was very weird. Um, at the same time, I think it's doing a little more than just sitting and, and retweeting a Twitter hashtag. Um, so, and, and one of the things that I also said that I th- think was it, it felt important for me to say at the time was, um, I'm a white guy and I can breathe, and that's not a coincidence. Right. Um, and and you know, I I do think that if there's one thing that um, white men can do when they have to speak up is to draw attention to the fact that a I do have a voice and the spotlight does tend to fall on me um, and that's fucked up um, and also to and and it's not a coincidence um, that I do have you know draw attention to your privilege and be mindful of it um, without abusing it um, and I think yeah I think this is something that there's, there's there's a line that you have to balance on yeah. where um, how quickly things become the not all whatever, not right. all men, not all white on Facebook people. not too long ago about um, – I don't remember specifically, but it, it was – But it was the shut up and listen. It was the shut up and listen <laughs> thing, and I remember making a comment about how I think it's important to shut up and listen, and I had more to say – but I, I didn't want to post it because I wanted to shut up and listen, and I didn't want to make it all about me. Um, and 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 I think sort of like what you were saying about not um, responding to someone, not arguing with them, but instead going to your blog to post why so they – that similarly, sometimes instead of me chiming in on someone else's space and saying, hey, I agree with you, I'll go to my space and post – I agree with this stuff because that's my space rather than trying to horn in on someone else's to make it all about me again. Um, yeah, that's a, that's and it's not it's a easy. practice that I've gotten used it's to. It's not easy oh. because I think when you when you grow up in the matrix, you don't always see the programming. And um I think, you know, the whole not all men thing, um I've actually come to the conclusion that that's utter bullshit. Yes, all men, not all the time. But um, Ellie actually, I had made, I made a horrible, horrible, horrible joke. I thought I was being really clever and witty and ended up making an incredibly offensive sexist joke on Twitter. Um, and Ellie totally called me out on it and I immediately deleted it. And she said, well, I was just surprised because you're, you're not, you, you seem like you're not that guy. And I said, every guy is that guy sometimes, even the ones that say they're not. Are because we're brought up, we're trained that way, and I re- I grew up in a feminist household with my mo- my mother is an outspoken feminist, um, and and you know I really credit her with a lot of my sensitivity towards you know or being open to women's issues, um, but I still grew up in the society, and I'm used to you know, getting to speak whenever I want to and being able to like have the conch <laughs> and be like, I'm going to talk now and, and let me say my opinion. Um, and getting defensive when being told to shut up. Um, and I'm really working on that because it's not all about, because it's, it, yeah. And it's when there's, when something is a very acute problem, like these grand juries, coming back with these poor decisions when something is that in that moment and that current nobody's saying look you can't have your opinion or you can't show support or you can't ask your own questions 
they're they're often saying now is not the time for you. Right. Right. And you know, like you said, if you need to put it down in your own blog post and just say I'm I'm feeling these feelings and I have these questions because I'm I'm not maybe I'm not relating to you and and just put it out there, but keep it off the hashtag and don't talk over whoever is the subject of, of that day's issue. Right. With, you well, know. And like my horrible joke actually gave Ellie and I a chance to open, like we had this really great dialogue where I talked about how really every guy is that guy sometimes. And for her, it was, she was proud of herself for calling me on it, but it was really uncomfortable and difficult for her because women in our society are taught not to do that. Right. You're well, because you're just your take it and laugh politely. Oh, ha ha ha! Yeah. Um, right. And and it was and so that's another thing to be mindful of is, you know, if I get upset about Ferguson and Staten Island and all this other, and I speak up about it, nobody goes oh, angry white guy. But if an African American does, it's oh angry black guy. Here comes the angry black guy. Here comes the angry black woman, and. That's something that we have to be really conscious of is, you know, I can speak up about women's issues without feeling self-conscious about it because I just it, – it's been ingrained in my head that that I can talk about whatever I want and, I, and any space is a safe space for me. And I can talk about racial issues in any space is a safe space for me, but that's not true for minorities. Um, and yes, even though women technically outnumber men in this country, they are a minority because they don't outnumber us in political and economic power. So and yeah, it's going to be, well, women are 50% of the country. Shut up. They're not 50% of the Senate. Right. So. Not 50% of the Senate. They're not 50% of Congress. Um, they're not 50% or more of fortune 500. So yeah. shut up. Exactly. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to, to fit the, our recording here in because I, I wanted to talk to you other than, uh, you know, asking you Twitter out there and, you know, in view of everybody at that, yes. uh, you know, at that instant time saying how, how was this protest for you? And, um, so thank you for sharing. And, 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 and thanks for having me. I, I do have to say, I, I told my daughter yesterday that I was doing this and I described your blog as, um, nerdy political, feminist, um, sex positive. And she said, oh, my God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I, could, I can only hope so. I, can hope, I hope I live up to that. Um, but so, Josh, where can people find you, follow you? You're, you know, um, I'm on Twitter a lot, uh, and my Twitter um, name is imaginably um, at Joshua M. Neff. Um, I have a blog that I'm mostly posting um, prose and poetry to and sometimes talk about like behind the scenes of my writing. And that is uh, www.goblin-cartoons.com. Um, I'm on Tumblr. Uh, I think Cartoon Goblin is my name on Tumblr. Um Goblet Cartoons is a is a name that I've had for over a decade um, as sort of a catch-all for anything I do. Um, so I, I sort of use Goblin Cartoons or Cartoon Goblin as, as an online uh, brand. Uh, I hate the, the whole branding yourself, but, but it is. It's my brand. Um, <laughs> branded in the cattle. Um and those are the main. If you if you follow me on Twitter, you can find me. You know, you can find my Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook. I hate Facebook, but I use it. Um, screw you, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> yes, you've you've heard my Facebook rant of the week. Yeah, so <laughs> I know. does anybody like? I don't think anybody likes Facebook. I think at most people tolerate Facebook. Um, and and you know, I'm on I'm on the Tumblr. Um, and I actually, and, and God, this is terrible. I, we're totally going to ramble, but, um, you had a blog post recently about people stealing your images and putting them on Tumblr and why you hate Tumblr. And as someone yeah. who uses Tumblr quite a bit, I thought that was really great 
of you to post that because I do have friends who post sexy and naked pictures of themselves on Tumblr and those pictures get appropriated all the time for like, you know, BBW blogs and all sorts of, you know, like they've even been appropriated for other like, um, you know, some cam girl site. Uh, and this this picture that looks nothing like anybody is it's it's been stolen, and it is kind of a huge problem. And and I don't really know what the answer is because when you put stuff on the internet, it's out there, and there's sometimes only very limited things you can do about that. But I think right. calling it out is at least a step in the right direction. Right. Well, my problem with that particular user who set me off was um, that. He put up what he thinks is a disclaimer on his Tumblr's about section saying, um, I'm only using images in the public domain. And I made sure to write him and tell him, fuck you, you are not. Just because it's on the Internet does not make it public right. domain. And that, as a, Do you not know what that, what that means? As a you librarian, clearly... it's terrifying to me that so many people – and I've, I've even heard like you know, – I've had people come into the library and they, and they either think that – they have to have permission to do anything with anything they find on the internet. Like they can't save an image to their flash drive unless they get permission from right. the owner. And I'm like, no, that that's not the case. Um, you can totally do that if you want to. You can print it out on a color printer if you want to. Uh, knock yourself out. Um, don't put it up on a website. Don't put it up on Facebook. <laughs> um, right. And 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 yeah, to, to and, that's, and, that's and there are people who think that anything on the internet is public domain, and it's right. like not everything is a meme. That's the thing. Like not every, <laughs> yes, not not every image is that is there to be sourced for a meme, and sometimes they will, and that's when you know if if you ever have to wonder about you know who's the fat girl in a costume that they're making fun of, well you know that's a person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they, and they don't care. They're going to make it a meme and it's going to get circulated 8 million times. Yeah. Um, that, that's but, the dark side of Tumblr. Um, the light side of Tumblr is the fact that I've actually become even more ardently feminist and um, anti-racist and anti-ableist and um, pro-LGBTQA rights um, because of – or more con- – I'm not any more passionate about it, but I'm more conscious of – what I say and what I do in terms of that um, because of stuff on Tumblr. Um, and there are some incredibly like great political stuff on Tumblr that they call shit out all the time. And it's amazing. Um, and then you've got the seamy side of assholes who steal people's images and appropriate them for thinspo blogs or right. exercise blogs or whatever. Like this is what I don't want to be. And it's like, well, Screw you. <laughs> I mean, I get... well, one of the things, you know, since we had, you know, we talked about porn stars and we talked about racism. Um, I think the only thing that I said on my my alternative uh, account on Twitter the day that the, the Gardner case came down was uh, was and porn industry. I'm looking at you, too, because they fetishize things like race and ethnicity oh, and size. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm. I'm constantly having to tell people I am not your fetish. Yes. Like just because I'm not 105 pounds with silicone boobs, I am not your fetish. Yep. Like stop, stop fetishizing me. And I can't imagine what a black woman feels like right. knowing that or an Asian woman. Oh my God. Like the porn very specifically labeled for, you know, that this features a black woman and this features, uh, you know, a, uh, an Asian woman, it's and and black men. I mean, let's face yeah. it. Oh yeah, I, um, I was really black. shocked when when I was posting like one time on Facebook a few years ago. I was posting something about like a, a show I really liked on the BBC, and this friend of mine was like, "Oh, I always laugh when you put that." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Well, because to me, BBC stands for something else." I'm like, "What else would it possibly stand for?" And he's like, "Um, big black cock." I'm like, "Yeah, that that what what what." Are you kidding me? Um, I had no idea, and it was utterly and and it does it makes me really uncomfortable when you go to a porn site and they they have all these categories, and I feel like you can break them down into fetishizing um, things you do or things people wear, and on the other side, what people are. 
And yeah, there's a big difference I'm between uncom- like I'm totally into like you want to like women in stockings, hell yeah. Women doing this or men and women doing that, I'm all about it. But Asians, yeah, black people, redheads, BBW, which is a such a bullshit thing. It it or even worse is when it's fatty. I'm just like, oh my god, I want to burn down the internet. Like, yeah, like it makes me super uncomfortable that that it is like you know and because there's never like i I can't i don't think i'm ever going to go to a porn website and it's going to be like um you know short fat nerds (laughs) short fat (laughs) nerdy guys in glasses i'm like i'm not going to be someone's well and, and actually even talking about that um the whole beard thing that that women like it's really big now for women to fetishize beards um, and that makes me super uncomfortable um, as someone who usually – like I'm sort of growing some facial hair out now, although it takes me a long time to grow up because I think my Irish DNA asserts itself and, and we're, the Irishists are not a very hirsute people. Um, but it, it makes me feel weird because it is like if I'm clean shaven, like does that mean I'm not as – like I'm not a fetish? And and I'm not like some sort of sexual ideal, and that makes me really uncomfortable. And then I'm like, wow, let's extrapolate that by at least a hundred, and think yeah. about how women feel when. And that's and that's what I was, you know, my entire adult life, you know, have heard was, you know, I'd be like, oh, but she's prettier, or but she's thinner, or whatever I would say. And the response would be, but there are men who 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 like women like you. Right. I'm like, that is not the right reply right. when somebody is feeling like shit about themselves. Well, and, and even <laughs> stuff like, um, like when, like, if you see people talking about like, well, Melissa McCarthy's fat and she's not pretty. And, you know, my initial gut response is to jump in and say, hey, she's beautiful the way she is. But really, when I think about it, it's like, who the fuck cares if she's beautiful or not? She's funny as yeah. fuck. She's not on the planet to be pretty yeah, for you. Exactly. She's not here to be your beauty standard. And and I'm I don't want to jump to the defense of every woman and say, hey, she's really beautiful because it doesn't re- that's not what's the most important thing. It's not even important at all. Um and and it it it's just it's so weird, you know, and, and when you start really paying attention to this stuff and just how insidious it is and how female bodies and female sexuality are both vilified and commodified in really, really weird ways. Um, uh, uh, Australian actor uh, Caitlin Stacy, um, I, I follow her a lot. Um, God, this is going to be a horrible like name drop thing, but but she's um, my cousin Lucas Neff, who starred in the TV show Raising Hope. Um, they're together, um, and because of because of him, I started following her on Twitter, and she is incredibly smart and incredibly provocative, and and in in tearing down assumptions about female bodies and female sexuality and feminism. Um, you know, and, and misogyny and sexist stuff that that she's fight up among other political issues. Um, and and I I was talking to her about like she had posted something about um, violence and female sexuality, and it just sort of something clicked in my head, and I said, well, it's in, in American media, um, violence Trump is greater than sexuality, male sexuality is greater than female sexuality. But female nudity is greater than male nudity, and how fucked up is that? That yeah. you know you can show like I think in PG thirteen you can show male you can show men having orgasms, but you can't show women like women showing having orgasms is like rated R if not NC seventeen. Yeah, there was a big issue about that um, when there was like a lesbian scene in something, and they were like. They're like that automatically because it was two lesbians. Like it automatically bumped up the rating to something else. Right. And um and, and one of the recent things that I talked about on on my site was the the porn restrictions that 
the the UK rating system have just put in place where, you know, because their board says they can't tell the difference between urinating and a woman squirting, they have to outlaw, they have to ban it altogether because they can't tell the difference. And it's like, so a woman's face, mouth, eyes can be covered in semen (laughs) from a man. Yeah. You can see it happen. You can see the money shot. You can see it go all over her. And you can make that in the UK. But a woman can't have any juices showing. Right. And it's like, are you absurd? Who is the Machiavellian prince that wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> and right. I, you know, and, and it's, now the difference is that that's specific about, about the porn that's made in the UK. Um, so if, it, you know, if you're getting it from another country, then you can still buy it there. Right. And again, it also changes where you can buy the stuff. Like they can, it can only be sold in porn shops. Right. It can't be sold like, you know, in, in a, another just the Czech Republic and, and, uh, um, Scandinavia are still, they'll do anything. So, <laughs> is that right? um, so yeah, so these are, these are interesting things that, you know, for some reason all started falling together in the last two weeks for me as these isms, whether it's racism and feminism and misogyny. And it's like, you know, because I do follow sex workers on Tumblr, it has illuminated my understanding of, of the world because it's like, I follow porn stars, but then I follow sex workers and there, even though porn is a type of sex work, there's, there's so many different considerations. Yeah. And, you know, all the different countries have different uh, criminalization processes in place and some want to lessen them and some want to make things more strict. And, uh, you know, it's just every I I really do urge people to diversify what they're following on on whether it's Twitter, Tumblr, whatever your choice is, um, because you will just it can't it, it can't hurt to see what other people are going through. And, you know, like, somebody finally did, like, um, an analysis of, like, the Reddit subreddit for, um, what was it, like, MRAs, the, the men's rights people. And it's, like, very specifically white males 17 to 20 years old. Right. Like, it is, they are, they are only encouraging themselves because they are only looking at themselves and they are, and they're just a little cult. And so they just cheer each other on and they continue to spread their their hate and then they do nothing because they they feel that they have a support network for their hate they you know that's when they feel all brave to go out and attack women and um you know and again there was a whole nother big you know gamergate or not gamergate thing this week and i'm like aren't we done with this yet like why are we still giving these people a hashtag right fuck them Fuck these people. Yeah. Why are we why are we even giving them the time? Why are we bothering li- Well, and I feel that way about like whenever like someone like I see a link to a post about Rush Limbaugh said this horrible sexist thing. Rush Limbaugh says horrible sexist things pretty much twenty four like I'm sure he even talks in his sleep and says them. how is this news? Why are we even bothering paying attention to him? He he's yeah. not even worth my time. Um, and these the MRA people are I mean, the only reason they're worth my time or, or anybody's time is because they're actually literally threatening women mm-hmm. with violence. Um, and and that's really the only reason to pay attention to them. And that's, you know, because otherwise, who cares? But yeah, and what's really to, to be sort of depressing about it um, or, or negative, everything that we're talking about right now is not revolutionary. Like right. way back in the '60s, people were talking about like you've got to interact with other cultures, you've got to like you know see how other people live and and learn empathy, man. And and we're still having to preach that because people don't get it and they get really insular. Um, and and like even like the 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 wildfire trade. Like I'm very surprised at how much. Um, same-sex marriage is being legalized in the U.S. Like, it totally blows my mind. I never would have expected this, like, 10 years ago. And it's amazing. Um, it's really great to see. And, I, and, and it, like, I think studies have shown that in large part it's because as more 
LGBTQA people have come out when 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 straight people know them it becomes personal and they become more accepting of it so obviously having more diversity in your life is a positive thing and 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 it leads to more empathy and and greater understanding of the world so yeah, yeah. So I, if I mean it's it, it's a shame that somebody, whenever it's like a a woman's issue, uh, in particular, is what I see most. Except for you know, recently the uh, Ferguson issues have yeah. have taken precedence. But um, you, we shouldn't have to say, well, what if your, what if this was your daughter, or what if right. this was your son, right. like Mayor De Blasio? If Mayor De Blasio's son was not a, a a black boy with a big afro. I don't know that he would have the feelings that he has. Right. Yeah. I that's that's my you know when I see some guy post and say you know well I've become a feminist because I I have a daughter now and I worry about the world she's going to live in. So women weren't human to you before that. Like, exactly. Like and on one hand, I'm glad that you've come around. But on the other hand, it's really kind of suspicious that. It wasn't an issue for you before this. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, hey, if you're a late bloomer, because I'm, I'm late on a lot of things, too, and I have to ask a lot of questions uh, of a sensitive nature to things that I don't understand, mm-hmm. being a white girl from suburbia, um, you know, I, I understand being late to the process. Right. Um, I, I just think that it's – if you don't already have the open mind to examine – you know, your surroundings, then you're never going to get anywhere at all. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I, it was one of those things where, um, you know, what a, what a young white girl is raped, it's national news, but yet there were two black girls in Florida that were brutally murdered and raped, but because they were sex workers and strippers, nobody, nobody on the news mentioned right. it. Right, right, right. So, you know, these are, it's, it, it's what that community goes through. And um, you're talking about, like, so many different um, issues all in that one story. You're talking about women, you're talking about women of color, and you're talking about sex workers. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they're, they're so marginalized by that point. Right, right, that, right. You know that there's there was no way that was going to make Good Morning America. Yeah, it's like um, one one of an author that I have really really loved, Samuel R. Delaney, who talked about because he's a, a black gay science fiction writer, he's three times marginalized. Yeah. Um, you know, and and well, and in particular because he's he's gay, black, and grew up in Harlem in the late fifties and early sixties, and was like a really smart nerd. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all kinds of marginalization right there. Um, yeah. and, and it is, it's, it's, yeah, I, I really think, um, and again, like we're not gatekeepers for open-mindedness. Like we're not going to quiz you on, you know, Oh, now you're a feminist. Well, do you know about Simone de Beauvoir? Um, <laughs> you know, in the same way that, some nerds feel that they need to be the gatekeepers of, of geek culture or whatever. Um, if you come around, you come around. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Come play for our team because we have way better cookies than the dark side. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, let's face it, smart, nerdy men and women are way hotter um, than close-minded bigots. Um, That's true. So, so, uh, um, yeah, come to our side. Um, we're we're funnier, we're sexier, and um, you know, however you get there, it's great. Um, but it is kind of weird when it tastes like my son is gay, so now I'm suddenly concerned with gay rights. Um, I have a daughter, so now I'm suddenly concerned with feminism. Um, it, it is a little weird. All right, well, Josh, thank you so much. God, we really for- went long, didn't we? We really did. We really did. It sort of makes up, I guess, for, for my lack of show for, for NaNoWriMo. So 
thank you. Um, guys, go follow Joshua M. Neff at Twitter. You can follow me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter. Um, there's a whole bunch of, you know, good blog posts that I've, I've still been writing blog posts if you haven't checked out amberunmasked.com. If you uh, check out the slash holiday movies, you will see everything that I was talking about regarding things that I want to, uh, that I like to watch during the time of year that I hate. <laughs> and um, there's all kinds of news. There's pictures of my cat with Santa. So, um, yeah, head over, head over to the site and you can find me on Twitter, of course. So, Josh, thanks again. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. All right, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>